everyone, if I haven't met you yet. Again, my name's Maddie. Um, and man, lots going on. You know, summertime, it's mid-August. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like now is the time of the year where it's just a little weird because it's still very much summer, but everyone is just like itching for fall. And anyone else? Is anyone like ready for fall? And uh, you can go to any store and basically all of their fall and Halloween decorations are already out. Costco has all their kids' costumes. Um, They also have, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a punk skeleton who's playing like a rock guitar made out of a tombstone, which is just really unique and a little spooky. If you haven't uh, gotten the chance to see it, would recommend seeing it. Um, I saw that Spirit Halloween's going up in the Lancaster Mall, which is when you really know it is time. The season has begun. All of the Spirit Halloweens start to fill vacant warehouses and turn into stores for a month. Um, Starbucks released their pumpkin spice latte. That like truly feels like a mark of fall. And I don't know if anyone has been to Hobby Lobby lately or maybe like in July. But I went there in July, and they already had Christmas decorations, which is really on brand for Hobby Lobby. And I will admit that that feels like that's jumping the gun. Uh, that's, I'm a hardcore Christmas supporter, but that's a little too soon. That's a whole half a year in advance. Um, but I know that although the warm weather is probably going to last well into September, as it always does, and we're probably not going to get those like cool, crisp mornings for at least another month, but. There's always something that kind of happens with the transition into the fall season. And we're probably, a lot of you, I know myself, are coming off of a really busy summer, lots going on, and there's something that just feels like you kind of settle into the fall time. And although I'm now no longer in school, and I'm assuming most of you are also not in school, um, maybe you have kids who are in school, but maybe you don't. I don't have kids who are going into school. The fall always still feels like going back to school season. Like I still convince myself I want to go back to school shopping, even though I have no school to start again. Uh, but whatever normalcy I had was probably thrown out the window over the summer, and I'm ready to kind of settle back into a rhythm, back into whatever the fall will feel like. And so tonight we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit. And so with the changings of the season, I think it just provides an opportunity for reflection. Reflection doesn't always have to happen around New Year's, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's resolutions, but maybe just a time of what did the last couple of months hold for me? You know, what was my relationship with Jesus the last couple months? And what do the next couple of months hold for me? What is the end of the year going to look like? And so I always like the idea of a little mini spiritual audit, if you will, just consider where are things at in my life and what are things that maybe I just need to make little tweaks and want to readjust and move forward. So with that, would you pray with me before we dive in? Lord, I thank you for your goodness and even the rich blessings we've already heard of tonight with the steels going off to spread your word, Lord. That's just so encouraging to see this body of Christ just get mobilized to the larger body of Christ. So Father, I thank you for every single person you brought here tonight, and I ask that your spirit would be present. I ask that we would 
uh, hear your voice. We would be transformed. We would be challenged with what you want to tell us tonight. In your name, amen. All right, so our passage tonight is going to be out of Galatians chapter 5. So if you want to turn there, go ahead. But we're just going to read the verse that you maybe are very familiar with. And it's going to be in Galatians 5, verse 22. But it should be on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're going to start there. That's going to be our base first that we're going to come back to a couple times. And before we get to that list of wonderful attributes, let's first talk about fruit. Agriculture metaphors are not uncommon to the Bible. We've talked about them actually plenty of times. Jesus used them a lot. So when we went through Matthew, we looked at them a lot. And his audience, Jesus' audience, was largely farmers. So it's normal that Jesus used that a lot. He wanted to speak in lay terms. And frankly, I just want to pause on that for a second. I think it's incredible that the God of the universe, like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wants to make sure that his people can understand him and his word. So he uses something simple like fruit or seeds. I think that's really special. And it's almost like I don't even need to come up with a metaphor. Like Paul did already for us in Galatians and Jesus did already in his teaching. Um, Something as simple as, okay, I can understand fruit. Um, So, you know, examples like a sower went out to sow. Consider a grain of wheat. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. Even all the way back to the garden, you know, man is supposed to tend and take care of the earth. It's all really familiar. You know, we can understand those sorts of languages. Another common one that Jesus spoke, I am the vine and you are the branches. So we're actually going to read this one a little bit closer because it's going to help us tonight. So this is in John 15, starting in verse 1. So this is now Jesus speaking. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear much fruit unless you remain in me. And then in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, I mean, that, that'll preach all on its own. <laughs> I don't even need to expand that. Uh, but let's just take a look at some images to help us understand this. I'm a big component in images. So... This is an image. Uh, This is from a vineyard here in Oregon, taken in beautiful Oregon wine country. So you can see the long, um, you know, those are the long roads, long rows, I should say, of vines. Okay, now the next image. So, seems simple enough. You have the vine, you have the branch, and you have the fruit. So we're putting Jesus into this imagery. Jesus is the vine. He's the thing that has the deep roots into the ground. He's solid. He's not going anywhere. He is the source of life. Okay, and then you have the branch. The branch has to be connected to the vine. And then the fruit is produced. 
Uh, There's never going to be fruit without the branch, and there isn't going to be at least an alive branch if there's no vine. Okay, so then our next image is just a close-up. Real life, it's just so cool. Jesus uses this imagery, and we can see it in our own life. This is the fruit that's hanging from the branch, and the branch is giving it this rich nutrients because it's connected to the vine. Now, there's another imagery. I'm not actually sure where I heard this or who came up with this, so this is not original material. Um, But someone said once that if you think about vines growing, that our next image here is a trellis. Um, A trellis is going to help vines grow. This is just a bit of a side note. Um, But, you know, if you want anything to grow in a specific direction, that a trellis is like the spiritual disciplines in our life. Now, that's not from the Bible. This is just a helpful analogy, but I've always really enjoyed that. Um, You know, there's certain things that are going to help us grow in a certain direction, Um, not be wild, but be, you know, headed towards the Lord, that trellises kind of help with that accomplishment. So that's just a side note. I thought that was... um, That's just a helpful image. So what we know is that fruit is produced because it's remaining tethered to the vine. So fruit is a result of something. You know, think of a seed. If a seed is planted, the seed needs to be watered. Time needs to pass. There's growth. Something might blossom, and then fruit is produced. Or if we're using the example that Jesus used Like I said, that vine is strong. You know, it needs to have deep roots. It needs to be planted in something. And then that branch has to remain connected to the source of life in order for the fruit to produce. So then when we go back to our passage in Galatians, and Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love. He puts a name to what this fruit is. Incredible attributes, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, And the list goes on. So then when we think the product of the Spirit, what comes from the Spirit, that's where we get this list, but then the question is, but how do we get the fruit? What does it look like for a branch to produce fruit? So I know growing up, I was always a rule follower. A lot of people talk about how they had a very rebellious youth. I had a very rule-following youth. I wanted to answer every question that the teacher asked. I wanted to have the right answer. I wanted to impress um, whoever was asking the question. I wanted to obey my parents. I wanted to memorize every Bible verse that I could for my Sunday school. And when I was in Awanas as a little kid, I wanted to get the jewels in my crown. I don't know if you get that reference, but Awanas was like a little kid program and you would have like a vest and there was a plastic crown on your vest and you would get literal plastic jewels and put them in your crown which I don't know if that was really great or not great (laughs) to be honest Um, but I still remember a lot of bible verses from that from being a young child Um, but you know I really wanted to do everything I could do all the right things to be the right Christian and in our culture today Um, I think the word like Christianity means a lot of different things. Uh, If they were, if you were to just like go onto the street, put a microphone up to someone and say, like define Christianity, what is Christianity? They would probably say like, I imagine it on a scale. You know, one side of the scale is probably going to be you're a Christian because you go to church on Sunday 
and you're just generally a good person. I would imagine, you know, people who grew up like in the South, in the Bible Belt, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but what that means, it just really doesn't go anything beyond that. And then maybe on the other side of the scale, in our culture's mind, is that being a good Christian, you know, this is maybe just like a lay Christian, like kind of a, eh, whatever Christian, but you're still a Christian. And this side is you're super religious. You are like really devout. You know everything about the Bible. You never skip church. You probably don't swear or drink alcohol. You're just like super holy. And I think people would say this version of Christianity is also, you probably don't have very much fun. You've like stripped yourself from any fun thing that the world has to offer. And you just like sit in your like holier than thou pew and go to church. And a lot of people would probably say like, don't want that, that does not sound fun, I'm not interested in that. But from I think our culture's perspective, the way to move in this scale is based off of what you do. You know, well, I need to be a better Christian, I want to be like better, I want to look nicer. And so maybe like if you're starting to slip, you think like, oh gosh, I need to start going to church again. Or, you know, we've never really gone to church, we need to start going to church on Easter. Or I've never read my Bible, but like you should probably read your Bible. And the goal is probably to at least be on like the holier half. (laughs) And like if you're on the holier half, then you're probably gonna go to heaven. And like whatever that scale is or wherever that half is, like no one really knows. So you're just gonna like do your best your whole life to like hopefully be good enough, right? And I think I'm making a caricature of this. You you can kind of tell, but you would probably even subconsciously, if you were honest, be able to identify that some of the things I described, you've even kind of adopted into your own life. Uh, Again, maybe without even realizing it. Because when we see the list of love, joy, peace, patience, you know, everyone wants goodness, everyone wants self-control. But when you go to that list, you might think, oh, well, like, I need to try to be more kind, or I really need to try to be more loving. I need to try to, like, do all of the right things so that that list can apply to me. Now, I want to be careful because I don't think it's bad if you want to grow certain areas in your life. You know, if you're thinking, I want to be less harsh with my words and I really need to be more gentle. Um, I want to have more self-control. That's a good thing. That's very honorable to try and develop those areas in your life. And, you know, the joke is always you don't want to pray for patience because the Lord will totally give you an area that you need to be patient in, and you might regret praying for that patience. But um, I think we can trick ourselves into thinking that the problem is we just need to be better. If only I was just, like, more faithful. If only I just worked a little bit harder to have peace, then I could be the kind of person that has the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul, I think, offers a different solution here in the book of Galatians, that the spiritual growth and the producing of this fruit comes from walking in the Spirit. And he has a lot more to say in the whole chapter of Galatians, chapter 5, about walking in the Spirit. Like, in verse 16, he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Talk about things that I don't need to, like that'll preach too. That's, that's really clear. I mean, have you ever wondered what you should do to avoid sin? Paul's got it. 
Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Simple enough, right? Super easy. Because we know that walking by that Spirit produces that good fruit instead of walking in the flesh, which produces the bad fruit. Um, But we do still have a sin nature, which is going to tempt us and try and pull us away from God. Uh, So Paul goes on to say in verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. So he's describing what is the sinful nature like. So if the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit, the spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. So our sinful nature that tries to pull us away from God is against this spirit, this Holy Spirit that's in us. These don't go together, and they are not hand in hand. So if you imagine two ways, you have like walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. So if we know what walking in the spirit looks like, Paul also lists what the fruit of the flesh is, and this is in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I think they're obvious too. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's a pretty exhaustive list. And so when Paul describes that the fruit of the flesh is know that for those of us who are followers of Jesus and who are saved, that we can with confidence know that we are freed from the punishment of our sin. It's important to remember that. Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross, and we stand, when we stand before him, he will see a clean slate, holy and forgiven. And Paul affirms that in verse 24. To those who belong to Christ Jesus, who have been crucified, or, sorry, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So those desires and passions have been crucified with Christ. We're no longer defined by these ways of the flesh. And Paul states that since we have been freed now, we need to keep living in that freedom. In verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So if we have this way of the spirit that we can walk in, we have this temptation of our sinful nature, but Jesus has said, you are not defined by that sinful nature. You do not have to feel like you are succumbed to it. Actually, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome this sinful nature. And so therefore, keep walking in the spirit. It's a both and. You have been saved, now keep walking. Keep going in the way of the Spirit. And one of my actual favorite verses of the Bible, Paul says it clearly, Galatians 5.1. It reads, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Such a powerful verse that we have been freed because of Christ, and so now stand firm. The temptations are going to come, so now stand firm. So like I described, we have these two ways, the way of the spirit and the way of the flesh. Sin is always going to overpromise and underdeliver. And even if you gave in to what you wanted at that time, what is the long-lasting result 
What is the fruit of giving into your flesh? Paul says things like impurity, idolatry, hatred, envy. Are these the kinds of fruit that we want to live in? John 10.10, Jesus describes the enemy. He says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy has one goal, and that is to destroy you. Walking in the flesh will destroy us. But the way of the Spirit, this is how we were created to walk. We were made to dwell in this goodness, this abundance, the fruit that we long for. The second half of that John 10.10 verse, while the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the abundant life that Jesus offers. So to bring it home, I have just a couple of questions that I think are good to ask ourselves as we consider this spiritual audit. The first one is, what fruit is in my life? So you might be experiencing some of the extreme things that Paulus did, um, but you might not be experiencing hatred or fits of rage, but maybe it's just something like unsettledness or general anxiety, fear or worry about your circumstances. I know that I, oftentimes, my own personal experience, when I'm not walking with the spirit, I'm really easily overwhelmed and I feel like my life is just like getting away from me or I'm just like bound to my phone or I'm quicker to like be short with people that I love and kindness just doesn't come out of me. But on the flip side, when I'm walking with the spirit, I can just feel the difference. I experience that peace which surpasses all understanding. I feel that sense of calm and comfort knowing that my days and weeks and all of my plans and all of my worries and all of my fears are in the hands of a God who loves me. And it's kind of like you can look at your circumstances and think like, these aren't great circumstances, if I'm being honest. Have you ever been in that point where you're like, hmm, this is actually pretty rough if I'm being honest, but man, I, I believe and I serve a God who is really good and I know that he's gonna carry me through it. So you can ask yourself, what fruit is in my life? I think it's a pretty easy indication of which direction am I headed. Um, so instead of asking that question of how can I try to be more like the list that's in that fruit of the Spirit, you know, because we know that the fruit comes from when you're walking in the Spirit. So rather than just like, I need to be more patient, <laughs> try and get to the source instead. So am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? And so the next question that you can consider is, what is holding me back from walking in the spirit? What is the thing? Is there a thing? You know, is there something in your life which is maybe just like eating up a lot of your time? Maybe it's solely a distraction which is just making you distracted. <laughs> Or maybe it's something that you're consuming or watching or listening, which is just filling your mind with unhelpful things. Sometimes we can just like consume media that maybe isn't explicitly bad, but also isn't all that helpful. And we just aren't dwelling on things that are good and lovely and pure. Or maybe you're just getting in your own way of like daily tasks or parenting or busyness or exhaustion 
And maybe walking in the Spirit sounds great, but that just like doesn't feel like a super practical reality right now. So I would just say, if you're not sure where to start, I would encourage you to pray. I think that's a really good starting point. And I think the best advice I could give you is to be really honest with the Lord. And so maybe you need to repent of something, turn the other direction from something that you've been doing, turn towards God. Maybe you just need to tell the Lord exactly what's on your mind. Like, just speak out what is the worry, what is the fear, the conflict, the frustration, the doubt. You don't need to filter anything when it comes to talking to God, which is very freeing. And maybe you just need to sit in the quiet for like a relief of all of the things that are demanding your attention in your day and just release the heaviness that you've been carrying and just pick up Jesus' light and easy yoke. So my encouragement is to embrace the silence. Sometimes it's in the silence that we're forced to face the thing that we have been avoiding and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you may need to change. So we're gonna do that right now. We're just gonna take a couple minutes, so if you'd close your eyes, we're just gonna do some reflection. Again, embrace the silence. (laughs) And the questions, if you're not sure where to start, can be, what is the fruit in my life? You can start with that one. The next question you can ask yourself, what is holding me back from walking in the Spirit? Father, we trust that you are a good God. And when we come to you, that Lord, even if there are things that are hard that we need to face, or it's been a minute since we've been in your presence, if we see that the fruit maybe isn't all that great that we're producing, Lord, I ask that we can remain connected to the source that the branch can just be tethered to that vine, Lord. That we can feel the lightness in our shoulders. We can turn from the difficulties. We can let go of the frustrations, whatever's holding us down, Father. I ask that as we begin to worship you through song, that Uh, what comes out of the grace that we have been received is praise. That we can just thank you for your goodness and everything you've done for us, Lord, and that we can honor you in your holy name.
We pray these things in your name. Amen.